Good morning. Oh, Sacred Head, Now Wounded. What a great song. It's one we haven't sung in a long time. At least I haven't heard it in a long time. You might have just sung it last week. I don't know. But when you think about the Sacred Head of Christ, wounded for us, I want us to remember this morning as I share a few things that we are the body of Christ. And I want to talk specifically about what I love about the church. And I pray this connects with you, and this is not intended to be a finalist by any stretch of the imagination. All that being said, you can go ahead and open your swords to Ephesians chapter 3. We'll get our text from there. But even uh, we were at our pre-service this morning, and we were running through, and you know, uh, Kristen had the reading from Psalm 46, and then we were going to uh, sing this song, uh, uh, Be Still. That was actually the lesson I had planned for today. Be still and know that I am God. Yeah. Psalm 46. We didn't talk. Not that we wouldn't have, but we just didn't uh, in terms of planning that. But I will tell you that about 6 o'clock this morning, the Spirit moved me in a different direction. So that's not going to be what I'm talking about this morning. And apparently, this, the worship team did not get the same memo that I did from the Spirit. So we weren't quite unified until we sing this last song. And even in the thoughts that I think that Lewis shared with us at communion, and how far beyond God went to actually demonstrate his love for us. So there's a lot of connection with that. So in Ephesians chapter 3, and we know this to be a letter. Uh, some of your Bibles, if you still have a paper Bible, I love the paper Bible still, you know, because you can take notes in your paper Bible. It's really hard to do on a phone or a tablet. It won't last very long if you try that. And then everything kind of blends together. But we know even in some of our old Bibles, it might say the epistle. Uh, epistle is just nothing more than the Greek word for letter. Uh, so... The letter to uh, the church at Ephesus was inspired by God and delivered through our brother Paul 2,000 years ago, approximately, okay, to the church at Ephesus. But like a lot of the letters in the scriptures, they were intended to be circular. They passed them around from place to place. Christian bookstores didn't exist back then, neither did the printing press, so the actual recording of things were copied over time in letter form, but certainly not in our collated Bibles that we have today. But you knew all that. I'm just here to remind you of that. In Ephesians chapter 3, the first three chapters of this letter, and by the way, you obviously know, too, there were no chapter designations when these letters first came out. It was just one flowing letter. But in chapter 3, for our benefit, we understand the first three chapters of Ephesus is all about reminding us about who we are in Christ. The position that we occupy as brothers and sisters, as those who have been redeemed and, and allowed that redemption of Christ's blood to be applied to our lives. And so this is now who we are. This is our new identity. And in the second half of the letter, Paul says, through God's inspiration, now that you know who you are and I'm reminding who you are, this is what we do with our lives. This is how we live as disciples. 
So in uh, the end of chapter 3 here, we know this text. We know this text. I know we know this text, but I'm going to read it for us again anyway. He says here, for this reason, I kneel. God says uh, through Paul, I kneel before the Father from whom the whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. That's us. The family of God, the church, the called out, the ecclesia, called out of the world. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and how long and how high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more, <clears throat> right, Lewis? He's able to do immeasurably more than we can all ask or imagine. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all ages, forever and ever. Amen. And the intention in this original Greek uh, letter in the Greek writing, when you see the redundancy, it's an emphasis. So you could say, we could say literally forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. We could spend forever saying forever and not run out of forevers. I know in a common English language today, we throw around words and use them as hyperbole, you know, pretty regularly, right? You know, I, for, forever this car is giving me a hard time, you know, things like that. You know, and really it's only been the last six years. Come on. <laughs> it feels like forever, yeah. And the downside about being inspired to do something different with what you want to share is you don't get an opportunity to print. Um, but to him be the glory. To him be the glory in the church forever and ever. The purpose of why we exist as a body of Christ, the church, the called out people, the body of our head, which is Christ, is to bring glory to God. God's glory fills us. God's glory goes out from us to the world. This is why we exist as a fellowship. And so out of that comes this idea that the essence of God is what? At the end of the day, to sum up the whole matter, what would you say God is? Love. Great job, Ken. You still got to stay for the rest of the lesson. <laughs> but God is love. And we know lots of things about God's love demonstrated for us. You know, God inspires Paul to, in the Corinthian letter, say, the love of Christ compels me. Cognizant of, of who Christ is and what he has done in my life and collectively what he's done for us, he, I'm just compelled. I don't, I don't, I don't, I'm human, therefore I breathe. I'm a follower of Christ, therefore I love. And so we have this idea of love here. And so I think part of the things that, that God demonstrates his glory through us is just what we love. And in a time and an age, the last four or five years in particular, and I think we're for a rowdy ride the next couple of years as well, between culture wars, political wars, 
the turbulence that goes on and on, the speed in which information travels. Personally, I don't believe much has changed over the last 4,000 years with humanity. We are bent on destroying one another. We are bent in living out the goal of the Tower of Babel, which is, I want to be famous. You know, they built the tower because they wanted to be famous. And then they also wanted to protect themselves, insulate any threats from other peoples. Nothing has changed. The challenge we have today is just so much of it. It's just coming out of every hydrant at 1,000 miles an hour. You know, we just, the information is just, and that's why I was going to do this whole be still and know thing, because it's important too. And one of the little, I'll share this with you anecdotally from that previous lesson, but this was a really discouraging thing to find. About 30 years ago, scientists studied out humanity, and as a rule, we as human beings had about 12 seconds of focused concentration. 12 seconds that we could focus on something. <laughs> 12 seconds. <laughs> Good move, Jason. We didn't, we didn't practice that. <laughs> Thanks to the onslaught of the internet and everything that goes along with that and the speed of information that travels today and the, the different outlets that we have available, that now is down to eight seconds. Here's the really discouraging part of that story. A goldfish has nine seconds. A goldfish has nine seconds of the ability to concentrate. We're down to eight. I mean, so this idea of being still and knowing that we are God, that's all. I'll get to that lesson sometime in the future because I know for, for me, uh, it's really, we, we just really have to go after this idea of being, getting back to a, a great form of, Meditation in our life, slowing down, living, living a kingdom rhythm life. Because the busyness by which the world is participating and articulating today, it's, it's not a kingdom rhythm. It's a destructive rhythm. We are hot pursuit of everything that brings us glory and joy and wealth and fame and happiness. And it's, it's elusive. It's elusive. It's just like thinking that that brand new car is going to bring you great joy. But I'm telling you, the first time you get a french fry under that baby, it's as doggy as the one you're driving now. So don't bother. So what I love about our fellowships, first thing I love as I think about this bringing, you know, the, the, that God's glory comes through the church and in Christ, is I love our commitment to the Word of God. I love our commitment to the Word of God. All Scripture is inspired, God-breathed, yeah. We believe that. We may not be great at executing it regularly. I mean, how many times have you read in your Bible, maybe even this morning, you're like, whoa, I'm out of step with that. But fundamentally, we buy into the idea that this is the word of God. It's not in dispute. But in Christendom as a whole, it's greatly in dispute. And in fact, some 62% of what's called Christian groups today do not see the word of God as being the inspired word of God anymore. 62%. And according to a recent survey in Christianity Today, something like 75% of all people who are preachers do not believe in the Word of God as the inspired Word of God, at least in its entirety. 
There's also this big push that everything in scripture is culturally relative. You know, it depends on the culture. Well, the word of God trans tra transcends all of that. It's always relevant. It's always working. It's always alive. It's always active. And like we read in the book of Ecclesiastes, there's nothing new under the sun. It's the same old, same old. We just with different technology today. Okay? But I love our, at least our, our, our mental commitment to the word of God. We think being in God's word, this is God speaking to us. I hear. Yeah, I love that song. You know, it's such a great. Did we sing? We sung that today. Yeah. Isn't that the song where you do the fast clapping thing too? Yeah. More than seconds ago. <laughs> That's the problem. That's the problem right there. It was more than twelve seconds ago. That's the second reason I really love that song, though, because it took me about ten years to get the clapping thing done. You know, I just—it's a struggle. Second thing I love is I love our clarity around being disciples. I love our clarity around being disciples. Uh, and we know that being a disciple means we're followers of Jesus. There was a preacher guy from Kentucky or Tennessee several years ago, maybe a decade ago, that wrote a book called Not a Fan by Kyle Eidelman. Eidelman. If you haven't read it, I recommend it. It's a great book. It's a great encouraging book you know, to, to help us not fall into that lukewarmness of religiosity because we're called to be followers of Jesus, imitators. Paul said, imitate me as I imitate Christ, right? right. That's really countercultural even in the Christian world. I mean, it's just so easy today, especially in places like America, where you can, you can just kind of participate in Christianity, but you don't have to really, it's not a call to anything special, you know? But... I love the fact that I don't, I don't live in grayness when it comes to what I, me knowing what my purpose is and what God has done to, for my life. Um, you know, the challenges that come along with that, but also the blessings that go along with that as well. I love the fact that we have clarity around being disciples. We've even, all of us have grown up in, in times where we've talked a lot about this idea of discipleship. Okay. Um, now, you won't find the word discipleship in the scriptures, but what you find is the keys behind discipleship. In fact, the Great Commission, actually, in its original language, reads more like, go and disciple all nations, which means to teach, to lead. Okay. So, and we have tons of, of text in scripture that talk about the necessity of being involved in, in, to help you know, uh, train one another, to teach one another, to guide one another, those kinds of things. So, you know, it's, it's a real commitment to living out the life, living the baptized life, if you will. I love the fact that our fellowships have clarity around being disciples, not just some kind of religious practice or obligation. I also love our desire to love one another deeply from the heart, right? 1 Peter 1.22, now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for one another, Love one another deeply from the heart. So what, what, uh, what Peter is telling us here, inspired by God through this letter, is, okay, now that you have obeyed the truth, you, you love, you, you love, you've come to realize that you need to love one another. In 1 John, we read too, right, that G, you know, uh, John writes and he says, man, we can't claim to love God whom we've not seen and not love our brother who we do see. It's incongruent. 
It's, it, that, that doesn't exist, okay? And so this idea about loving one another deeply from the heart, the concept behind this is it's an action. Not a verbal or some kind of mental assent, but it's, it's outwardly what we do with our actions. Right. right? We all understand that. But here's something that I think we may understand, maybe not, but I want us to, I want us to, to grasp this because the practice of this is not easy. It is not easy to love one another deeply from the heart. It requires intentionality on our part. That's a word that's been pretty, it's a good word. It means there's intention about it. I've, I've got a plan and I'm gonna work it. I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do the things that make this happen. We need to do the things that make love one another deeply from the heart actually become a reality. Over the years, there's been a lot of talk regarding diversity uh, in the world, but also in our fellowships. And I would suggest to us that, you know, diversity is just not limited to cultural diversity or what nationality you're from. Guys, we can have diversity split by income levels. We can have diversity split by educational levels. We can have diversity uh, over a lot of different things, and this is a good thing. But learning how to love one another and respect one another with those diversities is super challenging. Super challenging. I think there's, for years, I, I think we've all fallen some, I know when I was a young parent, I fell, I fell victim to this as a younger parent. Amen, all of our kids are disciples now. Uh, I didn't completely lose, my, but I got into a laziness thing with, in my home. I'm like, I take my kids to midweeks. I take my kids to Sunday school. They're going to be fine. They're going to become Christians as a result of that. That's our assumption. That's easily our assumption sometimes as parents, that the church will fix my kids. But the reality of it is the real work of that has to take place in the home. The church... It's what meets at your kitchen table every night. You know, in America today, the average family spends 1.2 per week having dinner together. Yeah, it's still 1.2. That's pretty bad. That 1.2 comes of a lot of people having four or five and probably the vast majority of people having nothing. Devotionals as a family, you know, conversations, spiritual conversations as a family, so on and so forth. Even the things that we try to do with one another. In our diversity, there's this assumption we walk in the church building, hey, we're all Christians, so automatically we love each other, we're committed to each other. No, that doesn't happen that way. That doesn't happen that way. We have this idea that this church okay, we drop all of our stuff and boom, we walk in here and we are perfect. <laughs> but the, this is where we should be able to come and have some hard conversations with each other. But with the right spirit, with the spirit of openness and forgiveness and understanding. And that's hard. Because some of us can feel accused some of us can feel overlooked, 
neglected, unheard. There's a wide variety of different emotions we all experience with this thing. I'm just sharing with you guys that to love one another deeply has to go far beyond this built-in assumption that, hey, okay, we got the Word of God, we believe in that, we've all been baptized, we got this, we got this. No, there's an action required to love one another deeply from the heart. And a lot of that starts and has to go through times where, man, I know I love you, but I'm not sure I like you right now. And that's okay. But don't stay there. I have found, we have found over the years that the more we've, that God has opened our, you know, this whole idea of doing anything imaginable beyond what we can expect or imagine, I feel like I've really lived a good chunk of that in my life. I never thought I'd go to places like China and India and, you know, uh, where? Russia. <laughs> yeah, Russia. We went to Russia with Ken and Lan. I told you that before. Uh, old guy's getting lost again in his thoughts. Uh, <laughs> It's been 12 seconds, Jason. I beat you yeah. to it. Um, we've been blessed. We've been blessed to be exposed. You know, we adopted, you know, an African-American girl from the city of Detroit who grew up in a bombed-out neighborhood, drug-infested neighborhood. Our daughter, Romika, you know, entered that world and all the culture wars that go along with that, you know. But it was only through those experiences that I learned to get out of my limited view of life. And not everything is just work harder and pick yourself up by the boots and you can do it too. You know? It takes intentionality. On our, it takes difficult conversations sometimes to get through things. You know that if you're married because you've been through that a lot of times already in your life. All right. I love the fact that we have a commitment to one another in relationship. And this kind of goes along with what I just said about loving one another deep in the heart. We have this understanding and we desire uh, this commitment to one another relationships. We need to be involved in one another's lives. You know, there's over 50 key passages in the New Testament alone that talk about our need for being in one another's lives. Encourage one another, love one another, help pray for one another. When one part suffers, we all. When one part victors, we all. Exactly. But guys, we can't do this living individualistic lives six and a half days a week. I think we got to get back as a network of churches even to re a renewed commitment to the fellowship of the bodies. This isn't just going to church. This is the body of Christ. And you love where you put your time. That's what you love. That's your first love. That's your first love. I know, especially when I had a regular job, all those different midweeks or other small group, you know, Bible talks or whatever, how many nights have we all had that, oh, I would love to just go to sleep right now, take a nap, watch another, my 3300th episode of Andy Griffith. Come on. And if that's too racy for you, you know, you could always do Price is Right or something. <laughs> and then the minute you get there, you're like, okay, these are my peeps. Lewis was sharing with me this morning on the way here, and he's got these physical struggles, but he saw these people running, and he saw these people walking, and he saw these people riding a bike, things he can't do really well right now. But he was like, I'm excited because I get to go be with my brothers and sisters. Amen. That's an awesome spirit to have, Lewis. Yeah, yeah. 
thank you for sharing that testimony with me this morning. But that needs to transcend just Sundays, guys. We've gotten back into a pattern now where we have midweeks for our middle schoolers and our high schoolers, and every other Wednesday night, because we have, don't have a ton of teachers, we have middle, midweek classes for our little kids, too. And it's, it's hard. There was some kicking and groaning going back into that because we got comfortable with doing all of these other secular activities. In the meantime, only one of our teens in the last 10 years in Omaha have been baptized as a teen. Now, praise to God, many of them have become disciples since they've gone into to the campus ministry because they've had some focused time now and commitments to the body and, and, and what the campus is doing and fun times and fellowship times and faith times. But we need a renewed spirit of commitment and encouragement with one another, commitment to our relationships. This isn't about just coming to church. You are the church. We're just coming to a building, and we get to church with one another. I love our clarity. My next one is, I love our clarity around what God tells us to do to be saved. That's a legitimate question. Three times in the New Testament, people came up to Jesus and said, what do I need to do to be saved? Acts 2, what do we do? I love, I love our commitment to the clarity of God's word on this teaching. It's not a badge of pride or elitism. It's not. But nor is it something that I have the authority to alter for the sake of perceived unity, which if it's not based on the word of God, it's a shallow unity at best. The word is very clear that one becomes a disciple of Jesus through repentance of sins and baptism for the forgiveness of those sins. Very clear. Nobody practiced anything different than that in the world of Christianity until the fourth century. When I grew up as a kid, I was very churched, very dedicated church family. Many times a week we would go to church. And I thought I became a Christian when I prayed Jesus into my heart as a 12-year-old. And, but as I began to study the Bible, I came to realize this is not in the Bible. I don't see anybody being taught this. Or, or, and it was no wonder as I got older, I'm like, why do I not feel saved? Why do I bow my head and raise my hand every six months at teen rallies? I've never repented. Didn't even know what the concept was. You know? We're not the judge. I get that. But that we're not the judge flows both ways. I can't save people as much as I like them. Nor is it my responsibility to send them to hell. But it is my responsibility, it is your responsibility to share with them the clarity of the word of God. The Christian world is in such a big mess of confusion and division today because we, you know, so much of it is not based on the word of God. It's based on human philosophy and wisdom. The idea that I was taught to pray Jesus in my heart has only been around since about 1890 and really caught fire in the 1950s. It's a great idea, to some extent. We all want Jesus to reign in our hearts. 
But I want our unity to be built on God's word. Not necessarily for my desire for people to like me or to feel like they agree with me on everything. I want to be, we want to be in agreement with God. The next thing I really love about our church is clarity on our mission. In Genesis 18, Abraham was given a mission by God when he was separating him out, the Israelites, as a separate people. And one of those big uh, missions from the Israelite people was, you need to be a blessing to all nations. We need to be a blessing to all nations. You need to be a blessing. I need to be a blessing. And collectively, we need to be blessings to all nations. That means bringing God's favor into someone's life, into someone's home. We have this amazing passage. It's my favorite in 1 Peter 2, verses 9 through 10. And it says here, and I quote directly, but Wichita is a chosen people. All right, I modified it a little bit there. A royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. This cognizant recognition of, I wasn't God's man. I wasn't God's woman, but I am now. I was outside of God's mercy, but I've got God's mercy now. That is now the fuel. That's my gas, which propels me into a world to be a blessing in that world. So that I declare the praises of God. That's our mission. It's always been our mission. It will always be our mission to be a blessing to all nations and to declare his praises. And then lastly, I love our clarity about being a body and each member having a role. We are a body, as it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. In fact, it specifically says you are the body and each of you has a part. In 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10, we read about using your gifts. We've all been gifted, using your gifts to serve one another. The book of Hebrews is nothing but encouraging one another. So part of this element of being a member of the body is you're gifted. Use your gift to serve the church. And secondly, we're all called to the realm of encouragement. Encourage one another. We did a lesson several months ago. I won't ask how many of you remember, because uh, it's been more than 12 seconds. I did a lesson on encouragement several months ago. We need encouragement from one another now more than we ever have before, and we're going to need it much more into the next realm of time, let's say 6 to 24 months. Guys, we've got to be encouraging one another, lifting each other up, because the temptation will be to tear each other down. Because we live in a culture right now, if there's one thing our total culture has in common is, who can I tear down and how far can I tear them? And I don't even know them. All I got to do is post something. And I've just shredded 100,000 people. I encourage you to go out to the omaha.church website, go to the blah, blah, blah tag, and read the most recent article I posted in there called, what's it called? 
Um, I know it. It's something like Christ conquers all culture wars. There's a lot of really, I didn't write the article, I just copied and pasted from Christianity Today. I have a membership there, so I hope they don't get mad at me for sharing it. <laughs> These are some things I love about our church, the body of Christ. I love our commitment to the word. I love our clarity around being disciples. I love our desire to love one another deeply from the heart. I love our commitment to one another relationships. I love our clarity around what God tells us to do to be saved. I love our clarity about our mission. And I love our clarity about being a body. And each member has a role. As we continue on this path, and the ministry search continues, I don't know, maybe it's going to be another year, year and a half before there is. But you are quite capable, as you have already been doing, of doing the work of the body. Collectively working together to be the body of Christ. You will do it. You have been doing it. And you will do it more and more, better and better. There'll be some missteps along the way. They're all, hey, I'm a full-time guy in the church in Omaha, as is Wendy, and we still have missteps. Amen. That's where we learn how to practice grace. Not critique. What's on your list? Because it's real easy to sit back and say, man, the church isn't doing this. This church isn't doing that. This church. 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 The church. Before those words flow out of your mouth, remember what God tells us about the church. It's the very body of Christ. There's a reason why we have another song that says, let my words be few. And maybe I should do that this morning. What do you love? May your love for one another grow deeper and deeper. We're going to continue to figure out ways to be more cohesive, be more focused. We're working on plans already, you know, and you guys are doing an awesome job pulled up to the building this morning. I didn't even recognize it. The shrubs were all like, whew. it just looked sharp. Not that it's about the building. Again, because we are the church, right? We just came to the building. But the building looked really good. Yeah. But you guys look even better. The singing this morning was awesome. I really want to encourage our worship team. Our worship teams don't get the recognition I think they deserve because they spend a lot of time on leading us in song and directing us and getting us to Remember, 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 when you come here, nine times out of ten, come ready to give, not ready to get. And the more we love the church, the more we love one another, the more this becomes the DNA of who we are. And like it says in Ephesians, to God be the glory.